0: it's 4 20 a.m hi and welcome to episode two of the stoned witches hour with shell and layla grab a seat pack a bowl make sure your lighter's nearby smoke with us while we tell each other true-ish tales of unsolved murder gateways to hell and why napping in a cemetery is never a good idea so i am packing a bong because i i do like bongs better than bowls to be honest i like bowls Blunts aren't my favorite, but I do like them because I'm not a tobacco person, but I do like them occasionally. I like all of it. I I would say for flower bongs are my favorite.
1: You know, I'll take it how I can get it. Let's let's be realistic here.
0: You used to call me a bougie stoner because I wouldn't smoke seeds and stems. I mean, that was... That was your bar. Your bar was, I didn't smoke seeds and stems, so I was bougie. You
1: know, for the record, I've grown out of it. I am no longer smoking seeds and stems.
0: Yeah. Kudos
1: to me. Kudos to me. A
0: grown up stoner. I am. Or we're bougie stoners. I don't know. Maybe the same criteria still applies. I actually I
1: am a tobacco smoker, be it as it may. Do you like blunts? I, I, mean, I don't like blunts because it's more cigari and it makes your weed taste cigari. And I don't really like that. The tobacco
0: makes me lightheaded. And so I just can't do it that often, but I do like them.
1: But like, if I'm with, if I'm with friends or like, if I'm hanging out with you, I'll smoke a bong. I do like pre-rolls
0: um, Love pre-rolls. They're one of the greatest inventions ever short to the point. My husband rolled some joints for me. And actually what I really mean is he packed some cones for me. Is that still called rolling? Like no
1: pre-roll, man. It's, they're all called pre-rolls now. I
0: don't but know even, why. So like if I pack it, it's a, it's still called a pre-roll. I'm like, Oh, I made these pre-rolls. I
1: guess here's the thing.
0: We're old. Oh, like we're not old, but like saying that, like, it's a thing.
1: Yeah, but like they come up with these terms now and I'm like, what are you talking about, kid? Like- I can't hear you. I'm smoking a bong. <sighs> exactly. <laughs> I like these chillums. What a chillum is, is it's like a one hitter that's like already pre-packed, like a third of a gram. Love
0: it. Yeah, I, I do like the convenience, but I don't love the packaging. I'm one of those people that hates the packaging.
1: I go, I, I take it back old school. I like my little pipe. I like my little glass pipe. That's like my go-to. I am a glass piper.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Glass. I absolutely am a fan of glass. I always have been, but I do love my bong more than anything. So right now I'm smoking some of my homegrown back to the Bruce Banner homegrown, but mostly what I've been doing are these dabs. <laughs> 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 I, it's from a company called Apollo. It's their Nug Run Shatter. Did you ever hear words like that? Like back when we lived in New York? Remember what they called dirt weed and we oh. smoked it? That was I like, I think it actually had dirt
1: in it now that I look back. <laughs> and brick weed that was actually in the shape of a brick. Actually, in the shape of a brick. But we just smoked whatever they had. <laughs> then they'd tell us that it was hydro. Like, hydro was a thing. And it's like, you didn't, you this didn't grow in freaking water, people.
0: Right? Like, hydro was a type of weed when oh my goodness
1: yeah yeah remember those days I do I was
0: growing then so I knew better but yeah that's what we could anything that was good weed was hydro
1: you're like a horticulture expert man
0: oh no 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 I would not say expert I grow decent weed and I'm very happy doing so but I'm by far no expert I always (laughs) love smoking your shit yeah that's true it's always great shit thank you thank you very much I, I like to think I do so now I smoke things like crystal coma and it's a sativa strain. That's uh, very Ooh. nice. I'm dabbing that. And in between, I'm just smoking a little homegrown.
1: Let's yeah. talk some scary, paranormally, blah, blah, blah stuff. What's your story
0: tonight? Well, my story this evening is going to be about the life and the murder of the Black Dahlia, a young woman named Elizabeth Short. Give it to me. Give it to me. <laughs> All right. I even have, dude, while I was researching this, this was some of the craziest stuff. And it, it bugged me a little bit. I knew we were going to run into things like this, but I did, was not exactly prepared. The media was all over this case. One of the things I saw was a photograph of this young woman's dead body covered partly by a sheet. Like the actual
1: like police photo, like actual her body? The
0: actual police photo of her body, her face her arms, her legs, and there's just a sheet covering like her torso and her upper legs. And another photo I saw, I scrolled past it so quickly and I am not going to show you, but you can find it. If you look, you can find a photo of this beautiful young woman's face that has been, the photos are out there. I I didn't really expect that I was going to see as much as I did about this, but I guess that's kind of part of the whole story because the media was all over it because a beautiful woman died in the 1940s and, and there's sex, there's this gruesome murder. And there's a woman that they claimed was a Hollywood starlet wannabe that came from Boston, Massachusetts to California. And all these stories got blown out of proportion. Let me hit this bong. And I'm going to tell you a gruesome, sad story about a woman who was just starved for love and ended up maybe possibly on the wrong end of a mob boss. It's always the way, man. Always the way. Okay, so I'm going to set the scene a little bit here. All right, grab your pot, show. I got it. Sit back. I got a story for you. At about 10 a.m. on January 15th, 1947, it's a dreary, rundown, weedy block in a place called Leimert Park, which is around Los Angeles, California. A young housewife, Betty Bursinger had left her home on Norton Avenue. And again, the details of this are insane because the media was everywhere on this.
1: Why? Because it was in California.
0: Why was the media all over it? The media was all over it because she was beautiful. She was a beautiful young woman. There was rumors of lots of lovers and she was murdered in such a brutal fashion that it just hit every, every nerve at the time they interfered with the investigation to the point where they may have contaminated evidence. So anyways, this woman, Betty Bursinger, left her home in Lemert Park and she was going to the shoe repair shop to pick up some shoes for her husband. And with her, she had her three or maybe five, depending on the account, three or five-year-old daughter with her. And she was kind of scolding the little girl because they were passing all these weedy vacant lots that were kind of seedy, that sometimes people threw their garbage in. And the little girl wanted to play in the vacant lots. And, of course, the mother did not at all want this. Probably not a place you should have been
1: taking your kid in that day and age.
0: No, probably not. I guess from all accounts, it wasn't exactly a bad area, but it wasn't really a good one either. So she thought she was doing okay, kind of cutting over to the shop to pick up her husband's shoes. She said later in an interview that she felt slightly disconcerted at the time. She just was, everything felt kind of off, but she kind of blamed it on the cold gray morning. And as she walked further along, she discovered she saw something very white in the weeds. And that was what kind of caught her eye was this this bright white amongst the the dirty. If you've ever been to California, everything here is kind of a shade of tan ochre. You know, this dust gets on everything. And anyway, so this white thing in the weeds caught her eye. It, again, it wasn't uncommon for people to toss their garbage out in, into the vacant lots. And so she thought maybe someone had left a, a store mannequin there. And the child was very curious and was like, mommy, what's that? What's that? And So the mother obviously didn't want her daughter to see it any further because she had gotten an eyeful. And that's when she turned and ran for the nearest neighbor's house to call the police. She said again in an interview later, I glanced to my right and saw this very dead, very white body. My goodness, she says, it was so white. It didn't look quite like anything more than perhaps an artificial model. It was so white and separated in the middle. Separated. Separated. That's her exact words. So yeah, this woman, what they saw was this woman, Elizabeth Short, in an abandoned lot, face up her, some accounts say green, some say gray-blue eyes were open. She had these pale, pale eyes. And she had been posed with her elbows bent at right angles, her hands over her head, and her legs were spread with her knees straight. Her body was cut cleanly through in the middle with surgical precision. And they found her intestines coiled neatly under the lower half of her body. Oh, wow. Wow. Like that's sadistic shit. Very sadistic. It gets worse. She was completely drained of blood, not a drop of blood. That's why her body was so pale and white and there was no blood at the scene. So someone took out her blood before they dumped her body? Exactly. I'll get to that part. What's wrong with people? What is wrong with people? So there was more... There's more. Oh, God. There were chunks of flesh missing from different parts of her body. Again, cut out with surgical precision. And some of the most brutal things that they noticed on first sight was that her face had been cut from the corners of her mouth to her ears, kind of like the Joker smile. Oh, wow. It's something called the Glasgow smile I found. And they don't know if this is a connection at all, but apparently a Glasgow smile, which one of the newspapers described it as, is it's inflicted by cutting from one or both corners of the victim's mouth, sometimes all the way to the ears. It originated in a dark period in the Scottish city of the same name, Glasgow, in 20th century Scotland. These roving gangsters would punish each other, carving the sides of their victim's mouth in a demented grin known as the Glasgow Smile. And or she wasn't a gangster. She wasn't a gangster. She was rumored to have been with some. There were also rumored later that there were cigarette burns also all over her body, and it looked like she had been bound hand and foot. So an autopsy was performed on this poor young woman and marks on her body suggested that she had been bound and tortured. and her official cause of death, cerebral hemorrhage and shock and blood loss possibly due to the wounds on her face. They discovered that a chunk had been carved out of her thigh where a tattoo had been. So they'd carved a rose tattoo out of her thigh. And Why they- would you do that? Even worse, they found it stuffed in her vagina. Wow. Now, what year was this again? This was in 1947. So again, the gruesome details of this were everywhere. The reporters were telling stories of the of her being bound and of the cigarette marks. And the police were trying to keep some of this silent. And actually the tattoo chunk and where it was found had been kept out of the news until someone mentioned it that shouldn't have known. Wow. And, and where
1: was this again?
0: <laughs> this was in Hollywood, California. The coroner in a private conversation had also suggested on multiple occasions that he had found her stomach full of feces. Oh, wow. Wow. He suggested that he thought, in his opinion, that she had been forced to eat feces while still alive and that the blood loss that caused her death was due to the Glasgow smile being performed upon her while she was still alive.
1: So basically, somebody really hated her,
0: like really hated her. Correct. And just and tortured her. That's crazy. (laughs) Her identity was discovered with the help from a very early fax machine. A fax machine? A fax machine. One of the first ones. They called it at the time Sound Photo. Ah. They sent this poor dead woman's fingerprints to Washington, D.C. so that they could be checked by the FBI. And actually, they did have her fingerprints on file. So they knew right away that her name was Elizabeth Short. And so they knew who it was. They did. They found out very quickly. Her fingerprints were on file because she had gotten a job earlier at an army base in California. So she'd had to use her fingerprints to apply for that. And also shortly after that, she had been arrested for underage drinking. And so her fingerprints. Haven't we all? Haven't we all? She lived an amazing life again, which is partly why the media like jumped right on this story. Once her name was identified by this early fax machine, the media went crazy. One of the things the press had done that was really out of pocket was a newspaper reporter called Elizabeth's mother, Phoebe Short, telling her that Elizabeth had won a beauty competition and that they wanted some background information on her for a story that they were doing because she had won this beauty pageant. The mother was obviously very happy to gush about her daughter. And when the interview was over, the scumbag reporter told her that actually her daughter had been murdered. And that's why they were calling. And because the press was so on top of everything, they had actually gotten to the mother before the police had gotten to her to inform her of her daughter's death. Oh, Wow. Let me show you a picture of her so that you can see. She was like very beautiful woman. And it's, it's interesting. Hair. Yes. Her black hair was a big part of why she was called the black Dahlia and also her penchant for wearing sheer black clothing. I like, I like. Even in the description, they talk, they talk about how very attractive she was, but she had bad lower teeth. <laughs> Who, like, why did, do you have to say that? Why do you have to say that in a news article? Exactly. Like, why would you say attractive? She was very sexualized. Well, <laughs> that's what they did at the time, remember? They talked about her Black address book and that she readily makes friends with both sexes, which is, is a Black book. Yeah, code words for slut, right? They're absolutely slut. slut. Much. Reporters jumped on this story and they started spreading things and the police tried to keep as much of it as they could out of, out of the news for a lot of different reasons, but reporters found her luggage actually before the police did. And they discovered that she had checked her luggage at a bus station in Los Angeles. Like all of her belongings were shoved in luggage at a bus station in Los Angeles. And yeah, nobody really knows why. So as they found out who she was, stories of her life began to piece together. And part of that was aided by the killer themselves so the media, but who's the killer? Well, we'll get into that. They still don't know. There are quite a few different theories, <clears throat> but the media started to brand her a sexual deviant. One police report read this victim knew at least 50 men at the time of her death. And at least 25 men had been seen with her in the 60 days preceding her death. She was known as a teaser of men. Busy girl. That was in the police report. Who the fuck cares? I mean, I guess it was like 1947. Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose that's knowing a lot of guys for the time. So they tried to figure out who this woman was and a timeline of sorts began to appear. Her body was discovered on January 15th. And on January 21st, a person claiming to be Short's killer placed a phone call to the office of uh, James Richardson, who's the editor of the examiner. And he congratulated Richardson on the newspaper's coverage of the case at the time, because it was just lurid and everywhere. They were running stories constantly. And this person who claimed to be the killer said he eventually planned on turning himself in, but not before allowing the police to chase him further. This person, again, claiming to be the killer, told Richardson to expect some sort of souvenirs of Beth Short in the mail. Yeah. Right? Creepy. Three days later, a suspicious manila envelope was discovered by a U.S. postal worker, and it had been addressed to the Los Angeles Examiner and other Los Angeles papers. The letter was addressed and written using clippings from movie ads. You know, like those old-fashioned, like, ransom letters where they cut out letters from magazines. Yeah, yeah.
1: Was this, like, the original cutout letter, or don't you know?
0: I don't know. But in this letter, it says the phrase, heaven is here. And it said, here is Dahlia's belongings, letter to follow. And inside the envelope was Elizabeth Short's birth certificate, her social security card, some newspaper clippings of the stories, business cards, photographs some names she had written on pieces of paper and a 10-year-old address book with the name Mark Hansen embossed on the cover. And inside this address book were the names of 75 men. Her yeah. little black address book. There's the little black address book. So with Mark Hansen, like, why does she have, is this Mark Hansen's address book or is it her address book? The police launched a massive search and tracked down most of these men, but a lot of them said that they only knew her briefly. Oh yeah, I only knew her a little bit.
1: Yeah. a Little bit on the inside.
0: Right. So yeah, I only knew her a little. My wife is standing right behind me. So yeah. So they, most of them knew her, but had, they said they would only know her briefly that they found nothing significant in this search. So they also found that the packet had been cleaned with gasoline, similar to short's body. Like her body not only was empty of blood, but had been completely cleaned using gasoline so that no fingerprints remained that's weird. Why would you clean someone with gasoline? Apparently it takes away fingerprints. The packet itself had also been cleaned with gasoline and they suspected that it was probably really from the killer because of the similar methods. They did find, however, that there were a couple prints that they were able to lift from it and they sent them to the FBI, but they were too corrupted and and weren't able to find anything conclusive. So the killer was absolutely taunting them. And the police also went to find Mark Hansen, obviously the guy whose name is on the little black address book. And he said, "This is a, Hansen's a wealthy local nightclub owner, and he supposedly said that Short had stayed at his home or with friends of his. And he also said he only knew her just a little bit, but she was a nice girl." Aren't they all nice? Right. He says there's varying accounts, both that either he gave her the address book or that she stole the address book from him. I I found that he either had said both things or stories reported both things, but the the address book definitely came from him. So then a few days later, January 26th, another letter arrives. This time it's handwritten and it says, here it is turning in Wednesday, January 29th, 10 a.m had my fun at police, and it was signed Black Dahlia Avenger. And the letter included a location. The police went to that place at the day and time, but nobody, nobody ever showed. After that, the the alleged killer sent notes made of letters, cut and pasted from magazines that said, have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia killing was justified. So Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, all these letters have been wiped clean with gasoline, which is one of the things that they used to connect all of them that they hadn't really tried to report too much on at the time. And this helped them kind of, because so many fake things were being reported in the news and people were claiming to have done it and they were getting so many tips and more letters. So this kind of helped them discover which ones they felt had actually come from the real killer. Oddly enough, on March 14th, there was some clothing found at the edge of the ocean in Venice, California. And on this pile of clothing, inside the shoe was a suicide note. And it said, to whom it may concern, I have waited for the police to capture me for the Black Dahlia killing, but they have not. I am too much of a coward to turn myself in. So this is the best way out for me. I couldn't help myself for that or this. Sorry, Mary." Although very intriguing, the pile of clothes and the suicide note never really amounted to anything. Nobody was ever found, and it was never proven to be connected to the Black Dahlia case. Elizabeth Short was born in Boston, Massachusetts, and she has scandals even when she was a kid. So like her dad lost most of his money when the stock market crashed in 1929. And in 1930, they found his car abandoned on the Charlestown Bridge, and it was assumed that he had jumped to his death. So his wife, who is now broke with all their debts and five children, has to start working multiple jobs to take care of the shitstorm he left behind. So it's pretty tough at this time. And she is rumored to be like the most beautiful neighbors all said she was the most beautiful of the five short girls. So she spent some of her time in Miami, Florida with with family and because the family was struggling so much she dropped out of school and went to work to help support her family. Then, interestingly enough, in 1942, so now 12 years later, they get a love a letter from the dad. He had huh? he had faked his own death and run away to California and he wanted them to forgive him. What an asshole. Absolutely. Yeah, a complete asshole. Like who so, does that? And 12 years later, he's like, oh, yeah, I guess enough time has passed. I, I love you guys. Sorry. Yeah. Can you forgive me? <laughs> <laughs> so mom is like, fuck, you No. Elizabeth says, hey, you know, California sounds OK. I'll come out and live with you. So she goes and lives with dad. And that does not work out. He calls her lazy and shiftless and thinks she's awful. She has now Elizabeth has now met some young men and she's writing to, to guys in the military. She's looking for love, basically. She hooks up with a young man, a pilot, Major Matt Gordon Jr. Now, he's overseas flying P-51s. I have no idea what that is. Probably like some warplane. Probably. And they exchange so many love letters. How romantic. How romantic. All these love letters. And he proposes marriage, to which she happily accepts. So he'd written this letter proposing marriage while he's recovering from some injuries from a plane crash while in India. And she's so overjoyed. His mother later told reporters that Short, Elizabeth Short, had sent her son 27 letters in 11 days. Little Love Struck was our Elizabeth. She loves love. Like, what do you got to say? Jeez. Right. So they're engaged now. And then tragically, on August 10th, just five days before the war is over, he dies in a plane crash. Oh, shit. And she never overcame her grief. They say it sent her spiraling into a deep depression and she started drifting around the country and ended up back in California. So in the summer of 1946, she's in Long Beach now and she resumes a romance with another pilot, Gordon Fickling. By all accounts, she kind of bounces around from relationship to relationship. The relationship with Gordon Fickling doesn't kind of work out. People called her a would-be actress, but mostly she was just kind of a, a couch surfer. Really? I gotcha. And she was pretty much miserable, crashed in the apartments of acquaintances. And she would tell everybody that she met a sob story. You know, her her husband died in the war and her baby died in childbirth. And she would say whatever she had to in order to get money. You know, she was that kind of chick. I've met a few. Yeah, right. So she loved, <laughs> social- <laughs> she loved to socialize. She loved the Hollywood light nightlife. And by all accounts, she loved meeting men. And one of the men that she met was Mark Hansen, the nightclub and theater owner. And he knew all these business people. He was reported to be well-connected with people in, you know, shady areas of everything and with shady police officers. But she lived... I've met guys like that too. Right? <laughs> Hansen had a girlfriend at the time, Anne Toth. And Elizabeth Short lived with Anne quite a bit. And eventually Hanson moved... Elizabeth into his house, along with a n- bunch of young, beautiful women. You know, he kind of had that kind of place, all these desperate, gorgeous young like women. Hugh Hefner, Playboy Mansion kind of place? Yeah, that kind of place, very much taking advantage as much as he possibly could because he was kind of, you know, schlubby looking. He moved her into the house along with all these other gorgeous young women, and, you know, they would entertain the guests of his clubs and, you know, they would hang out sunning by the pool. And eventually she kind of outwore her welcome there too. She didn't really have an income. And she usually only ate when someone else could buy her food. And she was always borrowing money from people. She became known pretty much as a beautiful freeloader. December 46, and she's in San Diego. She was found sleeping in one of the seats of a movie theater. And this woman felt sorry for her and took her home. And then she ends up with another man, Robert Manley, and they see each other off and on for a few weeks. And then she asked him for a ride back to Hollywood. He agrees. And January 8th of 1946, he picks her up and pays for a hotel room and says they don't have sex. And the next morning he has an appointment, but he comes back and she says she's going to go home to Boston, but she first needs to meet her sister at the Biltmore Hotel in Hollywood. Manly drives her to Los Angeles to the Biltmore Hotel, and he, he doesn't have time to wait around for her sister. So he just kind of leaves her there in the lobby and he becomes the last person to have seen her alive no one saw her after january 6th other than the killer supposedly on january 8th she speaks with mark hansen via phone it's alleged that hansen was very much infatuated with elizabeth short but he liked lots of women though apparently he liked lots of women but he seemed to be particularly obsessed with her investigators were told that he really liked her he had a yen for her but he, of course, just called her a nice girl when asked and said he thought she was average looking because of her ugly teeth. <laughs> Other to people, those bottom teeth, man. Right. Other people said he was crazy jealous of her and that he was a man who must have what he wants. So is this kind of a,
1: a, a death by if I can't have you, nobody can?
0: I think so. I think the most popular theory is that Henson hired someone to kill her, a man named Leslie Dillon it's rumored that he told Leslie villain to take care of Elizabeth short, the black Dahlia from what I could piece together from some books and different things that were there is that January 9th, maybe it wasn't the sixth. So on January 9th, she makes up the story that she has to go meet her sister and her sister said she never knew anything about this, but she gets left at the Biltmore hotel and no one ever sees her again. And then from the 9th to the 15th, when she was found by that, Housewife. Sometimes it's referred to as the missing week because nobody knows where she was. And it's rumored that that's possibly when she was being murdered by Leslie Dillon and Mark Hansen. Okay, here's another interesting coincidence. Okay, so one of the theories centers on Leslie Dwayne Dillon, who's a bellhop and a one time mortician's assistant. And he was briefly considered a prime suspect before they kind of disqualified him due to mostly police incompetence. But it's rumored that. He had links to Mark Hansen, the nightclub and movie theater owner, who was supposedly the last person to speak to her on the phone and who was obsessed with her. So what this theory says is that Leslie and Mark lured Elizabeth away to a place.
1: Essentially where they could kill her.
0: They lured her away to a place called the Astor Motel. Now, the Astor Motel is just a little small 10 cabin facility near the University of Southern California. And some people believe that that's where she was murdered. And the reason why is because the Astor Motel owner, on the morning of January 15th, says he opened the door to one of his cabins and found the room covered in blood and fecal matter. And in another cabin, he discovered that someone had left a bundle of women's clothes wrapped up in brown paper, also stained with blood. And this was not reported until way, way later, because at the time he had been arrested days earlier for beating his wife and didn't want to risk another run in with police. So he never reported it. So they think that that's where she was probably murdered. Yeah. But they were just mean to her, like mean. They really were. I mean, whoever did this really had something. I mean, that's incredibly disgusting. So interestingly enough, Leslie Dillon, who some people thought was the killer, one of the reasons why is he would often talk to the police about things. And he's the one who mentioned the rose tattoo that had been cut from Elizabeth's thigh and shoved. And let me guess, they didn't tell anybody that they hadn't told that that was one of the things that they had kept back and he knew it. So, I mean, that sounds like a thing like right there, but due to all these incompetencies, he was never charged.
1: Unfortunately, he was probably a friend of someone and that's why it never went further. He
0: definitely was because Hanson was friend with police officers and Dylan had all these disturbing details that only the police knew. And he also told stories like, oh, like, I believe she was murdered in a motel room or, you know, and and he talked about things like that, which actually turned out to have been true. Yeah. So due to incompetence. He probably had friends in high places. He definitely did. Leslie Dillon is known to have stayed at the Astro Motel in early January. And witnesses who stayed there said they they noticed a a young woman, a dark-haired girl who resembled Elizabeth Short there, as well as a man who fit Mark Hansen's description in that kind of missing week. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Sounds like a cover-up to me. It does. No one was ever charged with a crime. And Dillon later named one of his daughters Elizabeth what a dick. Right. So yeah, that's the black Dahlia still unsolved to this day. Not, not a nice story, not a nice story at all. And there's so many people, some people claim to be the killer, but couldn't have been there. And Oh my goodness. It's just, it's a mess, but you know, kind of sad to think that, that maybe if there hadn't been some corruption or people getting paid off that, that maybe it could have been solved.
1: Well, that's not the world we live in, unfortunately.
0: (gasps) All right. I'm stressed out. I need to smoke some more. How about you? Still loving this pipe. And to think I live kind of close to that. When you come visit, we could, we could, I mean, we could go on a really creepy tour and see some of these things. Like we could go to these places. Totally. Totally. I'm down. Oh, that is such a morbid tour. Hey, Shell, let's go on a morbid tour.
1: (sighs) I I want to tell you about this place that I would really like to go to. Like, I don't want to go, but like, I want to go. Like, I'm so torn. Like, I want to go, but I don't want to go.
0: Ooh, a place you might not want to go. Lay it on me. Okay. Forest Park
1: Cemetery near Troy, New York. Outside the city of Troy, um, along the banks of the Hudson River, lies a place of mystery. Actually, this place isn't even on the maps. Like, for real? Like, now not even on the maps? Yeah, like it's hard to find. Yeah, like, no. Like Google Maps can't take you there? Correct. Okay. So officially it's named Forest Park Cemetery, but hardly anyone calls it that. Instead, they call it Pinewoods Cemetery. Wait a minute. So it's Forest Woods, locally known as Pinewoods? Forest Park, locally known as Pinewoods. There there are people that do say this is one of the most haunted places in the United States, like Mm -hmm. creepy crap. Headless angels, mysterious suicides, grave robbers, the front entrance is known as the Gates of Hell. It's an abandoned cemetery. Urban legends go way back. Uh, Ghosts being seen there go way back. This place was created in 1856 by a bunch of wealthy businessmen, they thought that like they could make it rich in the cemetery business and they wanted it to be more like a park. I guess cemeteries weren't like parks back then. I don't know. I wasn't alive then, but they wanted it to be like a park with like trails and like a park like experience. And they thought that that would make people buy into it to make them rich. 1914, they go bankrupt. At that point, had built that front gate, which they think are the gates of hell. I'll get there in a minute. But never really finished the rest. They ended up creating also a receiving tomb. Now, this wasn't a tomb for people to be buried in. It was like, think of it as you can't bury people in the winter because the ground is hard. So it was like a holding place. So it wasn't meant to like be a permanent resting place. ground. We'll
0: frozen solid in New York in the wintertime. You're not getting into that.
1: Right. This place, they, they built this tomb and they built the entrance. Then they go bankrupt. Sad story. So the town takes it over and it was dormant for 75 to 1990. And then they tried to kind of salvage it, but there was so much neglect. It's been basically abandoned ever since. And here's why. So I told you about the statues.
0: Yes. The headless the headless angel statues, which already scared the shit out of me. I mean, thank some you. Of them, some of them had the arms chopped off, too. Is that how Because I know sometimes statues are built with no arms. Were these built with no arms? Or were
1: these like... They, they were built with arms, and now there's no arms. And they had heads, and now there's not.
0: Well, they're mutilated angel statues. They're said to bleed from the neck. What? No, no. Oh. Docu-
1: documented bleed from the neck.
0: What do you mean documented what do you mean documented bleed from the neck a statues do not bleed from the neck these do no no all right what do you okay all right all right what do you know like
1: there's okay. an explanation supposedly depending on if you're a skeptic or if you're whatever explanation there so happens to be this moss leave it to fucking moss That happens to grow, rarely, in that part of upstate New York, that under certain conditions, this moss turns into a red liquid.
0: Wait, wait. So I'm supposed to believe either that a statue is bleeding or a moss turns into a red liquid. Yes, yes. They both sound fake. I'm too high for this. All right. I know, right. right? I'm going right? to go with probably Moss turning. I know Moss does weird shit, so I'm going to go with Moss turning into red liquid, but damn. Were they high when they came up with those explanations? Probably. Probably. Right. So. There
1: is a story that Lifetime, that Life Magazine did, calling it the gateway to hell, the top most haunted place in the world. So the story goes on for like 30 years. Guess what? No one can find any story. Even Time Life Magazine is like, we don't remember doing a story. So, like, there's this huge what do you legend. We
0: don't remember doing a story. There are people
1: who swear that Life Magazine did a story on the cemetery that just like
0: poof, vanished, gone. Nobody
1: knows about. Can't oh. find it.
0: So, is this like the Mandela effect? Like a bunch of people believe it, but it, they can't find proof of it. It's just this
1: particular thing, I guess. I don't know. Whoa. I like finding ghosts. There's a, uh, what they call the friendly soldier. Now, this story, this is weird because there's a couple different versions of this. There's a guy and a girl doing some stuff in a car in a cemetery. <laughs> oh, that you sounds know, familiar.
0: Oh, yeah. I you know? I know.
1: Kissy smoochy. Uh-huh. Some stories just say he was a plain old boyfriend. Some stories say he was a husband. Some stories say he was a soldier. Okay. I don't know which is is. That's so they're in the car, either way, no matter what the guy is, he gets out of the car for whatever reason. The girl falls asleep. Okay, okay, if my boyfriend got out of the car in a cemetery, I'm not like, "Hey, nappy time." Like I am going to be like cognizant of my surroundings until he gets back in the car,
0: wouldn't you? I mean, movies have taught us shell that something bad always happens when you are in a car anywhere with your significant other and it's dark outside. And one of you gets out of the car. You just shouldn't do it. Like my first response is not, hey, let me take a nap. No, and take a nap would be the last thing. You should be getting, you should be reaching into the glove box and getting out your machete. You need to be getting out a flashlight. You need to be getting out your satellite phone and your backup cell phone. You need to be like calling, pre-calling 911.
1: This girl chose to take a nap. I don't know. All right, So she's sleeping.
0: He's sleeping. Taking a -a
1: snoozeroo. She gets awoken to sounds of something dragging on the roof of the car.
0: No, okay, all right, okay, my good. Wait, I hold on, I gotta turn on more lights. What do you mean, dragging on the roof? No, shell.
1: She gets out, it's him. He would <gasps> hung himself above the car, and it was his toes scraping on the roof of the car as he no. swung back and forth.
0: No, no, yeah. no. Oh, no.
1: The legend is. His is that he... toes
0: are scraping. <gasps> His toes scraping on the roof of the car. Why did she fall asleep?
1: Well, apparently he walked through the gate at the front and actually walked through the gates of hell. And they say that the demon hung him from the tree.
0: So, oh, my God. So he walked through the gate. So they like cleaned him. <gasps> Pretty much. Oh, what did she do? She sees him hung there. Like, what did she do? You want to hear a funny
1: story? Uh, they, yeah. they put her in an insane asylum.
0: So she obviously tried to tell someone, right? And they, she tried
1: to tell someone. They 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 basically blamed her and put her in the crazy house.
0: They told they said she did it.
1: That she did it and that she was crazy. Yeah.
0: No. She
1: swears that like the demons did it through the gates of hell.
0: Oh wow!
1: There's stories like phones dying. People go there. This is closed off to the public. Like I said, private property, which by the way, we do not condone trespassing of any kind. This has been closed off to the public for, I don't know, like 35 years. They have decided back in like 2018, 2019, that for one day a year, they will allow people to go through it semi-supervised. I don't think they can at night. I think it's only during the daytime. Oh More yeah. Of, all the ghosts are going to come out at night. They do allow now one, one day a year, you know, it's a cemetery in the middle of the woods. People have gone in it saying their, their phones die. They'll take pictures. And, and I looked up and you can look up some of these pictures. If you Google uh, the forest park cemetery, mysterious figures and photos, strange orbs, weird lights. Oh, I love me some orb photos. Like this 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 place is there's lots of documentation. People have who've grown up in the area that that was like the teenage place to go. Every town has the teenage spook place.
0: Is it was it the teenage place to go for making out or for spooking or both?
1: Spooking, spooking. It sounded like people weren't down with the making out thing. They were afraid to die. Oh Um, okay. But kind of spooky. The way it's kind of grown over, you have to go through like deeply wooded areas to get to some of these headless statues. One story goes that one of the statues that still has a head will sometimes have glowing red eyes at night. You know, uh, you you go into this mausoleum type crypt type thing. It was meant to kind of be a holding area.
0: No, you don't go in it. No, no, you do not.
1: The air is heavy, supposedly, and, and you feel like you're being watched. I'd go in it. Come
0: on. Oh, how creepy. No, no.
1: But you know, if you if you if you were to look this place up online, if you were to Google it and, and see this front gate, this iron gate. Like, it kind of looks like the gates of hell. Like, you feel like if you walk through there, bad
0: stuff's going to happen. Why would they build that? And after it's built, why would you walk through and be like, oh, people say this is the gates of hell. I'm just going to walk through it. Do-do-do. Like, why? Just to see. i do it. You know, what is Just to
1: see. But, like, no, bad things. Here's another weird piece to it what they call unearthly animals
0: what's an unearthly animal
1: um like kind of like a cross between like a person and a dog and like isn't that like a were dog bear or some like half bear half peopley like
0: isn't that a werewolf or a were dog
1: I don't know the way I, the way I had read it in one of these uh, articles was
0: uh, demonic animals, Demonic um, animals. Well, that's not fair. Animals are supposed to be cute and nice. Well, maybe not bears, but they're supposed to be cute and nice and cuddly,
1: you know, like the three headed dog, the whole, the whole, but the the deeper you go into the cemetery, like these animals are ready to take you. Um, there's, there's stories of teenagers disappearing and them finding like pieces. Oh no, of the
0: teenagers. Yeah. Oh no, no, ew, 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 no.
1: But then you know you got some other folks that you know back in the eighties and stuff. People were going in this cemetery. They were vandalizing, desecrating. There was reports of That's satanic smart. rituals in there and, and animal sacrificing in there. So you add insult to injury that people are crazy and this place is crazy. I want to go, but I don't want to go. I don't want to get arrested. The Like, I guess the people of the town have made like some sworn oath that if they see anybody near that cemetery, they call the police like serious neighborhood watch stuff going on. It's highly patrolled. They really do want to keep people away from it. And the question is, do you want to keep people away from it because it's old or because it's really the gates of hell?
0: Right. Like, why are they keeping people away from it that diligently? I mean, like we, we have both we've
1: both come from rural upstate New York. And, and like, are you really telling me that the, the highest priority on these cops minds is keeping people out of this cemetery? Yeah, really? We, really?
0: We, we've been to some pretty old, crazy out there cemeteries, you know, and they don't really seem to be a hotbed of criminal activity. Why is this one guarded so heavily? And why is it not on Google Maps? And why is it not on Google Maps? I am a firm believer in places that feel weird, places that have strange energy and aura. And you've mentioned a couple of times that, that this place itself seems to have like an off energy.
1: Bad mojo, man. Sounds like bad mojo. Crazy. And you want to go there. You, yeah. You're
0: always dragging me on these hijinks. And you love it. I do.
1: I do love that. I love it. I love them. This is what we do. But there I've read some personal accounts, people who are paranormally people who don't believe in ghosts and never did until they were having an experience at this place. Like this place has made people believers. You know, unfortunately, a lot of children's graves there. So a lot of children ghost spot uh, spotted a lot of bad stuff going on here on top of you know, through through a uh, the depression, um, through a couple world wars, there's
0: there's just probably some angry spirits there to begin with. Yeah, more than likely. Now you mentioned that it's open one day a year. Yeah. Have there ever been any paranormal investigations done there? Like, has has anyone tried to contact professionally the ghosts? I-
1: I don't think there has yet. Um, The the folks that that do the once a year thing, uh, whatever you want to call it, a tour or what have you, is like the historical society type folks or like the town historian. It's not necessarily paranormally directed. It would definitely be interesting to check out. There's supposedly like a petrified high chair there, you know, just strange stuff, strange stuff. Petrified high chair, like a stone, like a stone. I guess, I guess, you know, people say that they park outside that front gate and then their car wouldn't start. You know, it's just, it's just weird, like interesting stuff. You know, people say that they've heard screams in there. Definitely a creepy joint. And like I said, for the cops to watch it that much, and for the town to kind of be so protective of it, it just makes me more think that there's something up there.
0: The the most likely explanation is vandalism happens so often that they have to kind of watch it. But seriously, why so much protection? It, it brings out the conspiracy theorists in me. And it's like, what are you hiding? Why, you know, what are you hiding? Yeah. Why do you have so much back there? Yeah, and you know, I
1: get the whole—you get weird feelings. You have to cemetery, you're going to get weird feelings in a cemetery.
0: Not really. I mean, I've been to cemeteries. You know, we all have relatives. And we've all been to cemeteries for different reasons, but you know, sometimes they're just places. You know, and it's it's a little sad, but not all of them have a creepy feeling. It's just strange that if you're
1: going to protect this so much, what you hide in? What are you I'm hiding? Just saying, I'm just saying. So yeah, Forest Park Cemetery, right outside of Troy. I, I I think that we should check this out sometime. I think we should too. Well, we want to thank everybody for joining us tonight for this interestingly spooktacular evening where we can get creepy, spooky, and high. Layla, what are you going to talk about? Um, what <laughs> episode three? What are you going to talk about?
0: I'm going to talk about something really spooky. The Queen Mary in Long Beach, California. One of the most haunted sites in the U.S.
1: I'm giving up the goods for myself. I'm going to do Rolling Hills Asylum in Bethany, New York. You say asylum, I say
0: hell yeah. And I say why? Why? Asylums are the worst.
1: No, they're the best.
0: They're the spookiest shell. Of course, they're the
1: spookiest. That's why we're going to go there.
0: Hope you enjoyed our episode two. Hope you are able to get a little high and get a little spooked. Join us next week for episode three, and we'll bring you some more scary stories. 4.20 a.m., the Stoned Witches Hour. All right. Spooky later. Don't say that.
1: Spooky later? Wow. I am not saying
0: that. I'm I'm totally editing that out,
1: like for real,
0: because it's dumb. (laughs)